Chapter Eight of New Adventures of Alice by John Ray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eight, Buttermilk Channel. Milkman, milkman, where have you been? In Buttermilk Channel, up to my chin. I spilt my milk, I spoiled my clothes, and got a long icicle hung to my nose. The next thing Alice knew, she was floundering about in a sea of buttermilk the buttermilk curiously enough did not seem to wet or chill her though as she discovered later it was deliciously cool to drink when she had recovered her wits sufficiently to look about her alice saw that the somersault sally was already some distance away and plunging along at great speed she could just make out the familiar figure of the poet leaning far over the rail waving his hand and carried on the breeze came the words so sorry that you have to leave good-bye give my regards to steve the next moment the ship had disappeared into a bank of fog after swimming about aimlessly for a time alice found to her surprise that she could touch the bottom with her feet and still keep her head and shoulders above the surface this of course was a great relief but it was very tedious just standing about in this way with nothing in sight but buttermilk and not a soul to converse with so after a while alice began talking aloud to herself as she usually did when all alone well of all the uninteresting lonesome situations this is the very worst i do wish someone would come and i wonder who steve is she continued after a moment or two remembering the poet's farewell words i dare say i shall meet him before long anyway very probably miss very probably cause long can't be found nowhere said a melancholy voice startlingly close behind her alice turned in such haste that she lost her footing on the slippery bottom and went under when she came up again sputtering the little girl saw this rather curious sight a large dented milk can balanced on the head of a very sad-faced undersized man who was standing almost up to his neck in buttermilk a long icicle hanging from the end of his nose helped to make his expression almost ludicrously woebegone and what's more he was now continuing dolefully apparently not have taken the slightest notice of alice's mishap i'm steve steve for short that is stephen short's me old name miss long he was my partner and that as you might say is the long and short of it but as i were a saying afore he hasn't been seen for days miss how did he happen to get lost asked alice feeling that it was time for her to make some sort of remark it's a sad story a most distressing story that it is here the milkman's voice almost broke you see miss my partner long were an uncommon tall man a regular giant he were and unfortunately his eyesight were very poor and it's probable that his eyes were getting worse and him being so tall he finally got so he couldn't see no further than his knees miss and his feet they took him up the wrong road somewhere least wisey that's my opinion how very unfortunate was all alice could think of to say in consolation and the milkman after sighing deeply went on oh that ain't my worst trouble miss not by no means molly geezerer that's my cow she went plumb crazy miss what with jumpin' o'er the moon 
and I can't never catch her no more at milking time, so I has to keep goats now, and and sell buttermilk. I never knew that goats gave buttermilk, said Alice rather timidly. My goats, you see, miss, are all butterers groaned the milkman so dismally that alice hastened to change the subject please she inquired why do you carry that big milk can balanced on your head it must be very tiring well miss answered the milkman thoughtfully there's several reasons it makes me look a bit taller for one thing and then too it protects my head when the air's getting scarce as you might say I lost my at, miss, when I humps and slips off of the iceberg, and I'll probably never set eyes on that at again. Here the poor little milkman began to weep openly, most of the tears running down his long nose, and thence down the icicle which hung from the end of it. I suppose, thought Alice, who always liked to find good reasons for everything, that's how the icicle was formed. It must have been the freezing cold on that iceberg, and every time he cried the tears ran down his nose and froze. The milkman continued sobbing quietly, only stopping now and then to say in a choking voice, <laughs> It's all been weary depressing for me, weary depressing indeed. Alice racked her brain to discover some way to divert his mind from his many troubles, and finally unable to think of any consoling or amusing remarks of her own, she decided in a desperation to simply recite the first thing that came into her head this happened to be down by the river it went along quite correctly for a line or two but changed very queerly after that and this was the result i was walking by the river one spring morning long ago and the reeds were all a quiver they're such nervous things you know i had paused a while to listen to the singing of the stream when a voice says now it isn't my desire to make you scream or alarm you ma'am unduly but if i were you i'd run for you are in great danger truly and you haven't got a gun this surprising voice of warning came i noticed from a bird on a tree-top just this morning it continued i have heard a voracious tigerilla growling round this very tree my advice is seek your villa why from here i plainly see seven frying panthers stealthy coming hot upon your trail and you know they're most unhealthy lest you catch them by the tail so you see you'd better scramble though there's hardly any hope for approaching at an amble comes an elephantelope these were words to make one worry i stood shivering with dread and was just about to scurry when the catfish calmly said nothing's coming to pursue you ma'am don't you believe a word for the fellow talking to you is the far-famed liar-bird although alice's verse did not seem to have a very noticeably cheering effect on the milkman he at any rate ceased sobbing and the tears were no longer running off the end of his nose. Medium good, medium, he murmured gloomily after quite a long pause. But just listen to these here verses, he added more brightly and drew a sogging, dripping sheet of a more familiar crimson paper from his breast pocket. The tide was evidently ebbing, for the second button of the milkman's coat was now visible. The poet? He wrote it special for me, for to pay my milk bill, you see. Miss? E. Oh, do you know the poet, too? interrupted Alice. He's really quite a friend of mine. It somehow seemed to her that she had known the poet for a very long time. I knowed him last week, miss. But, my gallons! He is that many disguises that you can't always rightly tell who's him, as you might say. 
I knows him when he's a scarecrow, and I knows him when he's a wheel and ham pie, and they do say he's wonderful convincing as a signpost, he added earnestly, handing Alice the dripping sheet. He had been clumsily attempting to dry it by rubbing it with his coat sleeve, which was, if possible, even wetter than the paper. You'd better read it to yourself, miss, after all. You see, it's really too affecting to me, not only for his own sake, as you might say, but for the sake of the six bob he never paid me. Fearing the milkman would burst into tears again, Alice took the sheet. She could just manage to make out the blurred writing, and this is what she read. Yarnings. For years and years I've peddled milk, from Trent to Timbuktu, and also cream, though twas my dream, far different things to do, far different things to do, to do, far finer things to do. For instance, I should like to drive around and round the square, a pink and purple omnibus, how people all would stare. Or think how pleasant it would be to stand for hours and hours upon some snow-capped mountain peak a-selling paper flowers. Then one might fish for griddle cakes each night twixt twelve and two. I sob inside to think that I so many things don't do. I take soft soap and seashore sand and mix em up with tea, and all of them make a cobble cake to sell at one and three. My sweetest dream in all of this, I love a change of scene. At the North Pole, dig a hole and plant a lima bean. And plant a lima bean, a bean, a lovely lima bean. While she was reading, Alice noticed that the buttermilk they were standing in was gradually thinning and changing to clear water. She was just about to call the milkman's attention to this when she suddenly heard the sharp rub-a-dub-dubbing of a drum behind her. Looking in the direction of whence the sound came, Alice beheld a most amusing spectacle. A stiff breeze had sprung up, and a huge tub was approaching, spinning round and round and bobbing up and down on the choppy waves. In the tub were three men, a butcher and a baker, easily recognizable by their dress, and a third occupant, whom Alice, because of his very insignificant size, did not notice at first. Baker had tried to rig up a sail by tying his apron to a long French loaf, and was making desperate efforts to brace the strange mass with his knees and holding the flapping ends of the apron at the same time. At his wild contortions, even the melancholy milkman smiled feebly. The butcher, his face purple with exertion, was paddling as best he could with a large meat cleaver. The only result of this was, of course, to keep the tub spinning faster and faster, and make the work of holding up the mast all the harder for the poor baker. As the strange craft drew nearer, Alice saw a tiny fellow, even smaller than Captain Tiwi, standing in it, furiously busy beating a drum almost as big as himself. He was apparently wholly oblivious to his surroundings. I've never seen so many dwarfish people as there are in this queer country, thought Alice. Perhaps it's because the artist wasn't as careful as he should have been in drawing some of them. So intent were the occupants of the tub upon what they were doing that Alice and her companions attracted no notice at all from them, until a sh shrill whistle and a surprisingly loud milk from the milkman caused them to seize their frantic efforts. For the pork! shouted the butcher after a moment's panting pause, and then, steering with his cleaver, he brought the spinning craft about so sharply that it bumped heavily into the poor milkman, knocking the milk can off his head. The cover of the can came off, and the milk spilled into the tub, knocking over and nearly drowning the little man with the drum. "'Oh, dear, we beg your pardon,' began Alice, for somehow or other she felt responsible for the mishap. "'We really didn't mean—' She was interrupted in her apologies by a large, loud, joyful shout of, "'Dinner time!' from the baker, who was already breaking up the long French loaf he had been using as a mast, and throwing the pieces into the milk, was swashing about in the, in the now almost submerged tub." Lardaport is merely a butcher's way of saying hardaport.
End of chapter 8